Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you're a 415-er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, with 957 the game on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Coming at you twice a week here in the offseason. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Please download the Odyssey app, rate us, subscribe to us there. Also, check us out on YouTube. Mark, we're going to get into a couple of interesting things. First, uh, some of the, the ways that the 49ers use their money. There was an article written in the Athletic. Uh, as we're recording this on Monday, July 3rd, very happy July 4th, by the way, to those of you listening on Tuesday. Uh, We're also going to be getting into kind of a, I would call it a hot take from an ESPN personality, as well as what might make a special season for San Francisco. But before we do all that, what's up, man? What's going on? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Yeah, we're recording this Monday evening. I just got off uh, my show that I was working here at 95.7 The Game. I know you were doing the morning show today. I wanted to ask you before we get into some 49ers stuff, um, with the 4th of July, and as you said, happy 4th of July to everyone, happy Independence Day. With the 4th of July this year falling on a Tuesday, I don't know how you feel. It wouldn't just make a lot more sense to me if, Monday, regardless of it being the 4th of July or not, was the national holiday. So everyone could just have a a three-day weekend as opposed to a normal weekend, one-day work. I know a lot of people are taking Monday and Tuesday off, but for you and I, we're working today on Monday, but then have Tuesday off. It's kind of weird. I would prefer actually being at work on the 4th of July if that meant I got a three-day weekend out of it, you know? No, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it's going to be even tough for next year because I believe July 4th falls on a Wednesday. So yeah, uh, I wouldn't weird. have an issue necessarily with this rule. Um, but, you know, July 4th is, look, it's the day of independence. But if we're going to be literal about it, Mark, uh, the Continental Congress, as I'm sure you and all people out there well know, <laughs> declared its freedom from Great Britain on July 2nd in mm. 1776, not actually the 4th. So it would be a continuously moving day regardless. But, you know, seeing as how it tends to fall this year on a Tuesday, if we just bump it back to Sunday and then Monday, maybe get a day off there, yep. I wouldn't be too mad, especially if I don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. like I did earlier today to do that morning show, which I <laughs> loved. But if I didn't have to do that, I'd be OK with it, you know? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I it just now, you know, I just got off of work recording the podcast, get it uploaded, get it scheduled to come out early Tuesday morning. I wake up for my day off on Tuesday and it feels like a Sunday all over again. I didn't really have like, you know, the day off to to kind of enjoy, even though, again, Tuesday is the day off. Whatever. I know it's off topic. I just wanted to start it with that because it's, it's in my mind right now as we record this that it's weird. It's like the end of a week, but it's also like a, a Saturday night, I guess, for me right now. But whatever. Let's just get to the 49ers, I guess. Well, if it was, uh, you know, a theoretical Saturday night, tomorrow would be football Sunday. So it Mm. is appropriate that we are dropping this episode the day after your 
hypothetical Saturday so that people can listen to the 49ers. Because, Mark, we got we got some things to get into. And uh, David Lombardi of The Athletic kind of drew out the way that the 49ers spend their money, the economics of the roster as it pertains to the 2023 team. And I, I thought there were some interesting breakdowns. It's not anything really... Uh, with an angle, it's kind of just information. But but before we kind of get into the nitty gritty with the the millions of dollars, the 49ers will be divvying out this year. What kind of uh, stood out to you when you saw the the pie chart of the way the 49ers use their dough? Well, yeah, I suggest if you don't have an athletic subscription, uh, check it out. I think David Lombardi also tweeted out the pie chart that you're referencing. It, it's really interesting, but it gets even more interesting when you consider um the rest what the rest of the league is doing and obviously if you were just were to ask generally where do you think the league is spending most of their money each individual team who do you think what position groups are getting paid the most now obviously a lot of this has to do with um how many people are in that position so for example offensive line defensive line you're going to have a, a big chunk of your money going to those guys because you start five offensive linemen, you generally start four defensive linemen and you have a lot of reserve offensive and defensive linemen as well. So that's just naturally going to be a big chunk. If you just get rid of not, not get rid of them, but, but if you consider the fact that part of the reason why those position groups make up so much of the money. And for example, the 49ers over a quarter of their money is being paid to defensive linemen, almost 28% offensive line, despite the fact that it's a relatively inexperienced group, over 18% of the 49ers money is going to the offensive line. So it holds true for the 49ers. But when you are to consider kind of like per capita, per person, um, you would expect quarterback, at least in my mind, maybe you feel differently, Evan, but I would expect generally teams around the league, considering where we are as a football league right now, we're so in love with the passing game. I personally would expect a ton of money to be spent on quarterbacks and wide receivers. That just seems like where the game is kind of evolving to and specifically evolving away from the running backs. But when you really dive into the numbers of the San Francisco 49ers, it really doesn't fit that description. The 49ers are paying $16.3 million in total to four different quarterbacks. That's middle of the pack, 14th in the NFL. You look at their running backs, uh, $15.3 million to running backs. That's fifth most in the NFL. And before Christian McCaffrey's restructure earlier, they had the highest cap hit of any running back unit in the NFL. So the 49ers are, sp are spending more, essentially, than anyone else at a running back and middle of the pack as uh you know for their quarterbacks wide receivers how about that 22 million dollars to wide receivers that's 24th most in the nfl so the 49ers are spending more at running back a position that i think most teams are moving away from they're spending less at wide receiver at least as it stands currently and at quarterback where are they making up that money Positions that a lot of teams haven't necessarily forgotten about, but they're kind of just throwing out anyone at tight end. The 49ers spend more money at tight end than anyone else. They spend more money on the defensive line than anybody else. So you're kind of seeing a, a pattern develop here for the 49ers that I think is going against the pattern that other teams around the NFL are following. They're not spending 
a bunch of money on quarterbacks. Now, I think they would love to if they had a guy that they felt was on the caliber of Mahomes or Burrow or or Herbert or whoever the, the quarterback is, Josh Allen, all of those guys. But I think they're kind of breaking a trend around the rest of the NFL, spending a lot at running back, not as much at wide receiver, spending a lot at tight end, not a ton at quarterback. It's just interesting considering the 49ers are considered to be one of the, the best teams in the NFL, but I don't think they're really following the model set up by other successful teams. Yeah, I think it's interesting also when you consider uh, the fact that you know they have essentially two former top five overall picks on their roster at quarterback and yet are still at that figure of course with Trey Lance being one of them and then the addition of Sam Darnold now but Mark as much as I do think that it is not necessarily a better way to do it more just different kind of zagging where the traditional zig um, that is because of a lack I think of a quarterback and ideally Brock Purdy is going to sort of reset that hierarchy or whoever Maybe it's Trey Lance could reset that hierarchy in the near future. But when I look at the rest of the position group, so quarterback 14th ranked in the NFL, 16.3 running back, as you mentioned, 15.3 number five in the NFL wide receiver, 22 million, number 24 tight end, 23.6 million, number one, all of those to me outside of maybe the tight end are also fairly reflective of the strengths of this team. Now, I think the wide receiver room is a bit skewed based on the fact that Debo Samuel's deal has been restructured. So his cap hit is less than 10 million. It will balloon in the 2024 year to above $22 million. Same thing for Christian McCaffrey, who is slated to, I believe, have a cap hit of around 12 entering this season. They restructured it down to three. That's where it goes from one to five. And of course, the wide receiver room gets a, a big uh, cushion by Debo Samuel not having the majority of his money being back uh, front loaded as opposed to back loaded. I also think that with some of the areas in which they spend their money, mainly the defensive line, they are the number one defensive line in football. Like they put their money where their mouth is, the 49ers do, and it's reflected in the $66.4 million that they spent on their defensive line or will this upcoming year. That is the number one defensive line group in my mind in the NFL. And I don't know if it's particularly close. If a guy like Drake Jackson can just give you some sort of balance on the other side of Nick Bosa, because obviously the addition of Hargrave supplants um, anything that you're hoping for from Armstead, I should say aids him. So to me, the defensive line should be paid the highest in the NFL because it is the best in the NFL. I also think with the quarterback room, an area that's less affected by those restructured contracts, 14th to me, Mark is just about right because there's a lot of question marks in that quarterback room and a top 15 quarterback group in my mind should be good enough to get you to where you want to go, which is deep in the postseason. But I also don't think it's necessarily uh, outlandish to say that the 49ers don't have a perfect room, but it's not a bottom half of the league type QB room. So those two spots, defensive line has been their strength. That's where they spend their money. And it is reflected in the number one group in the NFL, in my opinion, quarterback, would be considered as a whole kind of middle of the pack. And that's the amount of money they spend on it as well. Yeah, 14th uh, most money spent on a quarterback room. And and you consider it's it's $16.3 million and 6.8% of the the team's entire spending. Think back to when Jimmy Garoppolo was here. And again, this pulled from the article on The Athletic that David Lombardi wrote. 
when Jimmy Garoppolo was around, it was about 14% of the team's finances was going to the 49ers quarterback room. So you get out of a contract like that, and now your starting quarterback is being paid uh, a seventh-round rookie contract in Brock Purdy, and it allows you to do so much else. You can look also where the 49ers are not necessarily cutting costs, but where they are spending less so they can spend more elsewhere. Obviously, the easy answer where they're spending more elsewhere is the defensive line. It's what made Javon Hargrave signing this offseason possible. Um, and a lot of the restructures, I know you mentioned Debo Samuel, that's a big restructure, saving them a gigantic cap hit this year. Same can be said for Fred Warner at the linebacker position. 49ers linebackers cap hit just over $23 million, 19th best in the NFL. That is a wild one, considering the 49ers, I think, have at the very worst, what, a top three linebacking unit in the NFL? You could make the case it's the best linebacking unit in the NFL with Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw, at least those two. They lost a little bit of depth this offseason, but in terms of starting linebackers, those two are up there. The the way the 49ers maneuvered with the cap hits and pushed them into the future for Fred Warner, that's affecting that. But where there hasn't really been a lot of restructuring, Evan, it's the defensive backs. And the 49ers pay only $23.1 million to their defensive backs. It's, it sounds like a big number, but when you consider you're starting four defensive backs, you have all these extras. You also have a nickel corner. Maybe you're starting five defensive backs at times throughout the year. There's a lot of guys in the defensive back room. The 49ers pay the second least amount to defensive backs across the entire NFL. And that's a whiff. Charvarius Ward, who was a big free agent acquisition a year ago now. So not only, I should have added this on my first point, not only are the 49ers paying less of the quarterback room, which you laid out so perfectly, is understandable given where they are. They're paying less as of right now, a big part of it because of the Debo restructure in the wide receiver room, but they're also paying less defensively to stop the pass when other teams are investing so much more in the pass, in the quarterbacks, in the wide receivers. They're also investing more in their defensive backs to make sure other teams and other star quarterbacks can't get going through the air. The 49ers are really attacking this differently. Now, if they had a, a developed, homegrown cornerback they wanted to keep and hold on to, that number would balloon. When Talanoa Hufanga comes up for a contract extension over the next year or two, that'll be a conversation the 49ers have. I know I've predicted Diamador Lenore. Go Ducks, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube. You can see my shirt. Uh, I know I predicted Diamador Lenore to have a kind of a breakout season coming up. If that happens, maybe that number climbs up right now. But it's just such a stark contrast to what other teams are doing, Evan. The 49ers aren't really spending big in their defensive backfield, in their wide receiver room, despite the fact that they have a lot of talent in those positions, um, which I think is what makes this year, next year, the following year so vital because there will come a time when all these big contracts come due and there won't be nearly as much room for flexibility. So I, I think it just kind of hammers home a point that we've been talking about for the last month or so just how important this season is coming up for San Francisco because they're not going to be able to, to keep up with this level of, of talent and contracts and money due um, like they have the last couple of years. It's, it's only going to last for a little bit longer. 
Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, kind of a, a lot to to parse through there, Mark. But you know, I think you're you're spot on about the linebacking core. I mean, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw were number one and number two respectively in tackles last season. They graded out tops among PFF in 2022 as two of the best linebackers in the league. And I think Dre Greenlaw's bargain of a contract, which will continue for the 49ers, is a big reason why. I also think that with the defensive back position, one of the reasons why they don't have to pay that much money is, number one, yes, they haven't been able to groom a a shutdown corner the way they would have hoped. But also, if you have a dominant D-line, you really don't need an incredible secondary to keep guys in front of you. You just need a guy that can simply move a guy off his spot for two to three seconds before someone gets to the quarterback. So I think that's where they can save some money as well. It isn't as if they wouldn't love to have someone that can keep a wide receiver on an island. It's just Charvarius Ward is a great cover corner, although he does have a potential out at the end of 2024 as his cap hit balloons to 17 million next year if he's with San Francisco. Right now, it's at 6.4, so that's a big thing. And then Diamador Lenore, you're hoping, takes a significant step. You are able to bring in you know, a different nickel corner replacing Jimmy Ward uh, to go along with the cheap safety position right now with Deshaun Gibson, as well as Talanoa Hufanga. So that, that defensive back uh, room right now, Mark, is, sure, underpaid considering what they produce. But I think that, again, is where everything starts with the emphasis on the defensive line. If you pay significant dollars and are getting all pro production, potentially from three different positions, then you don't really need an incredible secondary. And if you combine that with, like we just discussed, an underrated or undervalued linebacking core that is going to clean up any and all messes should they get past the defensive line, good in coverage, good against the run. Uh, then you're then you're cooking with some hot grease right there. And so that's where the 49ers, I think, financially have done a great job of identifying what their strength is going to be and then kind of building all around it the defensive line as their identity. 